0: Hi, and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm your other host, Manny Manuel. Well, Manny and I are doing something we haven't done in a long time, uh, and that is the what we've been watching. When we originally uh, got the idea for this podcast, we the, the real idea of it was, uh, you know, Manny and I would talk about movies for, you know, hours on end, and we just thought, fuck it, we'll record these conversations and uh, throw them on the internet and see what sticks, and sort of evolved since then, but... Really, the grassroots of it was just talking about what we've, uh, what we, out and uh, and things of that nature. So we're going back to that today. Um, the plan for today originally was to talk about Scarface, but uh, with that having been removed from Netflix, uh, both Manny and myself have had to go to both hun- wholesome and unwholesome means to uh, to go about viewing that movie. Uh, so that's been pushed back a week.
1: Yeah, we um, got uh, caught with the we didn't think it would be removed from netflix uh on that time frame so we got kind of caught with our pants down yeah, and we were unable bit. to watch it in time to to get this uh <laughs> this recording out so we're we apologize for the delay for anyone that was actually anxiously awaiting that uh that episode we might actually have a surprise when it
0: comes to that episode that
1: i don't even know sam knows about
0: that i'll have to talk to about him off off air <laughs> i don't think i do i'm not aware of any surprises i'll talk to you off air Interesting. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe I, I think you texted me about it. If it's the surprise that I'm thinking yes. about, yes, yes, I did. Oh, I am aware of it, and I'm very excited for that. Okay,
1: Wicked. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're just going to be talking about some things we've been watching recently, and maybe over the last couple of weeks that Sam and I haven't touched upon uh, in, in the episodes. Um, so uh, Sam, why don't you get us started? You've been uh, there's a movie you've been really excited for, and finally got to see, and have been itching to talk about.
0: Yeah, so, um, I mean, we haven't done this in a couple of weeks, and I've been thinking about movies that I've wanted to talk about. I could talk about, like, Isle of Dogs. I mean, that was a while. Honestly, I wasn't, wasn't too enthralled by that, so I maybe won't go uh, too into depth about that. Or I've um, been watching a couple of TV shows. I've been saying for forever, I've been in the middle of an Office rewatch. I'm a big fan of The Office. Got to Season 9, and it's just slowed to an absolute halt, because that, as much as I love The Office, Season 9, the final season, is uh, borderline unwatchable. Uh so unfortunately I'm stuck in the middle of that. I started watching Brooklyn Nine Nine, started watching Archer. I've uh tra- kind of been bouncing around between TV shows trying to find something to watch. Um I'll maybe uh finish I'll will finish with the uh movie that you alluded to, the one I've been excited to see. First I'll I'll maybe talk about um the movie I watched this past week on a flight to Kamloops. I uh had had to uh, download something on my Netflix to watch on the plane ride, and that was hell or high water is what Ooh. I decided uh downloading to watch on there and This is a movie Manny and I have talked about. I believe we um talked about it uh in our did we talk about it on our Oscar special this past year or was it even the year before that uh this movie was nominated for best picture uh,
1: it was it wasn't it was two years ago, so yeah the past ones so and- maybe we haven't
0: actually talked about it.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've actually gone into it in depth as far as I
0: can remember. Oh, Hell or High Water is, uh, as I quickly pull up the Wikipedia page here, yeah, it's a 2016, so yeah, it is two years ago, it's a 2016 neo-Western crime thriller, uh, directed by David McKenzie and written by Taylor Sheridan, and Taylor Sheridan, uh, was the writer and director of Wind River, which is a movie that Manny and I both really loved, he also wrote, uh, Sicario, which is a wonderful, wonderful movie, um... And basically, it's just about two brothers who decide that they're going to start robbing banks to uh, raise money to save their family farm. And it's a a great movie. I know Manny and I have talked about this movie before. Um,
1: And we've discussed Taylor Sheridan a lot as well, because we're both huge fans.
0: Really one of the new masters of uh, of modern uh, film. Uh, But this movie is really, really good. It stars Chris Pine uh, and uh, his brother, uh, played by Ben Foster, and... Honestly, this is I know if there's one criticism of the Oscars that uh some people I know have said it's that the movies that they nominate for best picture aren't necessarily all that accessible to casual movies fans, but I don't even think that's even really a criticism, but this is one of the most accessible uh mainstream movies that's been nominated for best picture in recent memory. It's just a really good uh heist movie, really good bank robber movie in my opinion. Um it also has a great performance by Jeff Bridges as oh. the sheriff. Jeff Bridges um, is
1: unreal in this
0: movie. I mean, he's putting on the one accent that he knows. how. Just the the typical Jeff Bridges sort of voice where everything is it's like a southern Sean Connery type of thing he's got going on. <laughs> but, <laughs> honestly, really good movie. Um, you really feel for these characters. It, it sort of is about both their struggle to raise money. Uh, for their impoverished family it's about jeff bridges nearing closer to retirement almost sort of like a no country for old men sort of theme going on yep and then it's also about um if there's one idea that's prevalent in this movie that i really like it's just that poverty is hereditary and even though the main characters are sort of anti-heroes um in that they're you know robbing banks but they're still supposedly good people um if if there's one thing that justifies their actions is that they are paying off the bank that's keeping them down with their own money that they're robbing from them. Yes. It's sort of is feeding into that idea that like no fuck you I'm not going to let the system keep me down and keep me poor. Uh I'm going to take my own life into my own hands, of course, you know. Not not that I'm going to advocate robbing banks on this show, but it's just a really <laughs> you it at least gives you something to cheer for the main characters for. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that at
1: all. No, I like that. And, and also, I, I think we should stay right here because um, I don't want to because we're not going to go in-depth. I'm going to stay away from
0: spoilers for this movie. Oh, for sure. Like, I'm not going to spoil this movie because anyone who hasn't seen Hell or High Water should, you know, shut off this podcast and watch it right now. Because as far as I know, it, I mean, well, I watched it on Netflix, so of course it is on Netflix. Yeah.
1: To- I, and, yeah, this this movie was... It was in my top 10 of of 2016 for sure. I was blown away by this movie. I had heard great things. I was super excited that it was another film written by Taylor Sheridan because he's just fucking killing it. And I was stunned. I couldn't stop talking. This is actually one of the movies that you and I discussed a lot at Jersey City. (laughs) Um, Well, because
0: you and I talk about Taylor Sheridan so much. Yes.
1: And again, I'm not going to spoil anything but perhaps one of the best final scenes
0: in movies in recent history. Oh, for sure. Like, the scene, are you talking about the scene between uh, Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges? Yes. Oh, man. That is just a, a really well-crafted and really well-written scene.
1: Oh, it's just – it's unreal. And then the performance again by Ben Foster, who just continues to kill it in every movie he does. He's so unappre-
0: underappreciated and just kind of like almost unknown. And yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm not really familiar with him from all that much. I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now, and it's a whole whack of movies I haven't seen. Um, He's he's, Last Band, of course, I've seen, but Alpha Dog, The Messenger, Pandorum, The Mechanic, Contraband, Kill Your Darlings, Won't Survivor. Not a whole lot that's really... um, He's really
1: good in another Western, uh, 310 to Yuma, with Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. He's fantastic in it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ben Foster, and I'm really looking forward to him getting that one breakout role um, because this guy's just doing absolutely unbelievable work. Uh, Hell or high water—it's it, it—I I honestly don't think I can pump it up much more or say anything better than you already did, Sam. It, it's it's an absolutely brilliant film, and while these guys, yes, are robbing banks, um, they are antiheroes because you're cheering on them. At, at no point are you ever not cheering for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the convergence of these two stories, or the, the convergence of the two kind of groups, one with Chris Pine and Ben Foster, the brothers robbing the banks, and then Jeff Bridges, and uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but it, it's the same. It's the guy that played the dad in Wind River.
0: Uh, Gil Birmingham is what Thank I'm looking you. at right he's, um, his, he's He plays the, the native father figure in every movie ever in Hollywood right now. yes.
1: And uh, that's so true. Yeah. He's from Twilight too, isn't he?
0: What's that? He, is he in Twilight? Can you look that yeah, up? Yeah, on, on the top of his Wikipedia page right now. It's says best known for his portrayal, or, uh, portrayal, excuse me, of uh, Billy Black in the Twilight uh, series. Yeah,
1: he. I I, I love him, and uh, in Wind River, he he has just one f- phenomenal scene, which you and I have discussed uh, for sure. Actually, in the very first episode of the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, and then. Uh, Go back. Yeah, <laughs> and in this one, he plays Jeff Bridges' uh, longtime partner, and you can tell that these two uh, have been longtime partners because they have no problem uh, ripping into one another, throwing racial jokes, um, which is what the closest of friends do, um, but at times you can see that uh, it's really growing uh, old for uh, Gil, whose, whose character name escapes me at the moment, um, uh, I'm
0: trying to find it, but it's okay.
1: And yeah. the uh, like, there's the scene in the hotel room where Jeff Bridges gets really drunk, and Gil yeah. just basically turns his back to him. Where he's just
0: kind of, uh, Alberto is the character name. Excuse Alberto, me.
1: thank you. Alberto. Just kind of turns his back to him. He's just he's just kind of had enough. Um, but there's so many great character moments throughout this whole thing. The poker game at the casino with Ben Foster is tension building. Just great, it really lets you dive in and see what this man really is all about Um, it's just a fantastic film I I love it from start to finish it was easily in my top 10 of 2016 probably in my top 5 for sure for anybody that hasn't already seen this they need to, like Sam said stop this podcast and go watch it now Yeah,
0: for sure, and I also just want to say about Ben Foster that as unknown as he is his performance is fantastic his character is just a fucking sociopath who just does not care about anything. And yeah, the, well, rec- not, he cares about his brother. He cares about his brother, which I love. He doesn't care about family necessarily. Cause it's hinted very strongly that he killed his dad intentionally. Yeah. Um, it, it's sort of described as a hunting accident. Uh, but not, I, I think one of the cops says, uh, what was he hunting for in his own barn in March or something like that? <laughs> so it's very strongly hinted that he killed his own dad, but, uh, He cares very deeply about his brother, but the poker scene you talked about, there's an awesome line where he's playing against uh, a guy of Comanche descent, and he's sort of making fun of him for being uh, native or whatever, and the guy turns around and says, you know what Comanche means? It means enemy of everyone. And Ben Foster just says... Well, you know what that makes me? It makes me a command sheet. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's a really good line. It's a nice.
1: great line. And again, it's just Taylor Sheridan fucking <laughs> showing off the man's skill. I'm fucking pumped for everything he does. All
0: right. Um, so that's just about all I have to say about Hell or High Water. Um, I mean, great performances, great direction, great writing, great everything. Um, just a recent favorite of both Manny and mine, and everybody should go watch it. Now, uh, the real... My, the real source of my excitement for doing an episode like this was to talk about a little ditty that just came out uh, called Eighth Grade um, that I just saw, uh, now that we're done with Hell or High Water. Um, it's written and directed by a guy that I have a lot of respect for as a performer. His name is Bo Burnham. Uh, he's old-school YouTuber. He got to start just making funny little songs on YouTube. Uh, he's since become a stand-up comedian, and of course, he's since uh, become a writer and a uh, director. And this is his writing and directorial debut. And it's... I'm trying to find just the uh, short little synopsis from IMDb. Uh, An introverted teenage girl tries to survive the last week of her disastrous... Excuse me. Disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school. Good thing I can read, right? Yeah, right. But I recently saw this movie. I've been excited to see this uh, since I found out it was getting made. Because I love Bo Burnham as a performer. I think he's uh, a brilliant comedian. I think he's a really good songwriter. And I was excited to see what he could do uh, in the director's chair and uh, as, a, as a screenwriter. And uh, this movie was originally just supposed to get a New York and an LA release. Uh, it did really well in both of those theaters. So uh, it, it got expanded to more theaters in those cities. Did well in those theaters, so it expanded to more cities in the US. And it did well in those cities, so it expanded even more. So it, they've sort of just been playing it by ear with this movie, expanding it and expanding it and expanding it. Uh, Till eventually it reached me in Calgary which I was really excited about, and I'm looking at the stats right now for it. I haven't even gotten into the plot for this, by the way. I just, I'm just excited to talk about this movie. Um, currently, for 2018, it has the highest theater average of any movie. So uh, even though it's not as quite as wide a release, as it stands right now, it's made more money per theater than any other movie released this year. Yeah, so- it's killing it right now. And it's getting just absolutely insane reviews. So, I mean, you're sitting at 90% uh, on Metacritic, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's just, just getting brilliant, brilliant reviews. And I finally got the chance to see it this weekend. And it's totally justified. This movie is beautiful. Um, I saw a tweet from Molly Ringwald, of all people, that said it might be the greatest coming-of-age movie of all time. That might be a little bit extreme. But nonetheless, it's getting brilliant reviews. Uh, Elsie Fisher is the star of this movie. She actually is the age she's trying to portray, which I believe is uh, 12 or 13 years old. Um, she kills it. She's relative unknown. As far as I know, <laughs> her biggest role was as, uh, I think it's I think the character's name is Agnes from Despicable Me, the youngest of the kids. She's the kid who says, It's so fluffy! That's, that's her biggest role up until this point. And she gives a nuanced, beautiful, subtle performance um, that I hope gets some recognition this awards season because it's really, really good. Um, the writing by Bo Burnham is... This This is one of the best written coming-of-age movies I've seen in a while. It does sort of delve into uh, some let's say, cliche territory in, in in sort of the romantic subplots that are in this movie. But those aren't even really the focus it's mostly just about this girl trying to find her place trying to fit in in 2018 and uh Bo Burnham having been a child of the internet himself does a really good job of writing this sort of uh backdrop of you know everyone has everyone has phones everyone has social media everyone has all this stuff even as young as uh Elsie Fisher is in this movie and I don't want to delve into spoilers all that much. I don't want to go that deep into it, but there are so many good scenes in this movie. Um, Manny, you look like you're uh, waiting to say something patiently while I ramble on and on about this movie. No,
1: not at all. It's it's fun <laughs> to see. It's fun to see you uh, as excited about this movie as you are because I I, I knew going in um, your admiration and I, I I guess for lack of a better word fandom of Bo Burnham. Prior- oh,
0: Girl from Bo yeah. Burnham.
1: prior to this movie and and you'd mentioned earlier on uh this year how excited you were for this movie i I'd heard about it uh as well hearing about how good it was and these last few weeks on um other podcasts I listen to that I won't plug because I don't like competition uh, <laughs> have how much they've been raving about eighth grade uh and I'm really upset that um it was here in Kamloops for uh for a week and and I just couldn't get down to the theater. Uh, To see it, and now it's gone, I've missed out on my chance to see it in theaters. Um, I might have to take a road trip down to Vancouver.
0: Um, I I absolutely think it would be worth it for you to do so. Well, I'd
1: make a whole day. I'd probably go see three or four. Definitely. Because I'm a loser.
0: I love that this movie doesn't have really known roles in its main parts. I mean... (laughs) Uh, I, I've been looking for a budget for this movie, and I honestly can't find it. I can't imagine it was too high budget, because they weren't really expecting this movie to do all that well. Uh,
1: oh, no, I was thinking of a different movie.
0: Uh, I'll find the budget for you while you continue to go. For sure. Because I'm on the Wikipedia page right now, and normally it'll have your budget versus your box office. Right now, I'm just seeing box office $10 million, which honestly, for a movie like this, is huge. Um... I I really like Josh Hamilton as Kayla's father, again, just a relatively unknown actor. He's been in a couple uh, big-time movies here and there in bit parts, but um, really just uh, in his role as the dad, he's one of the stars of this show. And I, I guess I'll finish it up. Again, I'm not going to get into big spoilers, but there are two scenes in this movie that really, to this point, are candidates for Scene of the Year for me. One is a scene in a car, which I'm not going to spoil, like I said. And the second one is a scene between uh, Elsie Fisher's character Kayla and her dad, played by Josh Hamilton, uh, sitting around a campfire. And uh, I guess I'll just say that the scene starts with her asking the question, if uh, I'm... It's something to the effect of I'm worried that when I grow older and I have a daughter, she'll be like me. And I'm worried she's going to make me sad. And it's Josh Hamilton's response to that. But I, I was with a couple other people in this movie. And there were, there were people wiping tears away in every scene with this monologue that Josh Hamilton gave. And it was really, really special. And it's a scene between him and his daughter sitting around the fire. And you, Manny, being a father yourself, I think uh, this scene in particular might... Uh, elicit a couple of tears out of you yeah
1: i've I've heard uh, i've heard that and uh i'm i'm probably gonna get fucked up over it. you know what's funny is in the three main places i can usually find budgets they're not
0: listed it's surprising yeah i wonder if it's just because it's such a small time movie that they didn't even really listed anywhere but this they were not expecting this movie to even make the 10 million dollars that it has i don't think so i wouldn't be surprised if uh if it was a pretty small time movie. And it looks kinda of small budget. Not that it looks bad, but it it seems like almost sort of uh like when we saw Ladybird last year, it was just sort of it wasn't bad cinematography. In fact it was quite creative. It was just, you know, sort of meat and potatoes, uh tracking shots, nothing nothing too really special. Just place the camera on a tripod tripod sort of thing and uh and let it roll. But that's that's my rant about eighth grade. Um I would recommend. Everybody go see it if you can. And the last thing I'll add, I guess, is just that this is the sort of movie that you should go see if you're a film fan. Just because this movie isn't Marvel, this movie isn't DC, this movie isn't a big studio movie. And if you don't go support movies like this, they just flat out don't get made, really. Um, This movie is done very well, which is awesome. But I would encourage everybody to go check out uh, little independent films like this especially one as good as 8th grade because the more you go to support movies like this the more that great little independent projects like this go get made so that'll that'll be my rant about uh about small time movies for for right now
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you you know yep. me.
0: I'm always a fan of of supporting all cinema. <clears throat> anyway, that is enough of my voice. Manny has been waiting patiently in the wings to tell the fine people listening to the podcast what he's been watching in the last little while. So, Manny, why don't you tell the people what you've been up to?
1: All right. I'm going to start off with uh, there was a, uh, a movie, um, a movie of a TV show that my daughter absolutely loves, which warms my heart that she loves it. I, I didn't even know that it was even on her radar we, uh, we always watch it together, and it, uh, it, it brightens my day, and the show is way better than I, uh, I thought it would be, um, and pardon me, <coughs> I am going to be coughing quite a bit, there's a, a really bad smoke uh, because of some forest fires in the cannabis area, so I am going to be coughing uh, a lot more, I'll, I'll try to, I've been covering it up by turning the mic on and off whenever I can, so I, I do apologize to everyone for putting up with my coughs. Um, the uh the the TV show is Teen Titans Go and the movie was Teen Titans Go to the Movies. And Teen Titans Go is based on the Mar oh, not the, the D C comic uh Teen Titans. And Teen Titans Go is it's a really playful um a really playful take on the superhero genre. It's not a serious show. It's it's not aimed at small children. And I guarantee you a lot of the jokes in the show definitely go over my daughter's head, but she still loves the show because it's very, very silly and the animation in it is – it's not not—it's not realistic. It's very, very, very cartoony. And the jokes that they do and the fun that they have on that show are so much fun. And some of the jokes it, – it's a complete comedy. Uh, it just happens to be set in a superhero universe. And I love it. It just cracks me up constantly. So when they made a movie, because I know my sister, <coughs> my daughter, sorry, when my daughter loves the show so much, I took her to the movies, <coughs> and both of us had a blast. Is is it high art? Not even close. Is it worth is it worth going to if you don't watch the show? Honestly, I'd probably say no. I, I, it's definitely better if you've seen the show. Um, so you can get the, you can understand the dynamic between the characters because the movie doesn't explain it's not an origin story it doesn't tell anything about the characters um, so if you've watched the TV show uh, that dives more into it where the movie just kind of hits the ground running um, but there's a lot of really great jokes and even though this is a DC movie Stan Lee makes a cameo and it's, it's, I died laughing and he actually, he's, he's actually in it twice and they, they play it up, uh, really well. It's just a fun movie. Um, if anybody is looking for, <coughs> just a, f- <coughs> sorry, Ooh, you're dying over there. It's bad. I won't lie. <laughs> um, if, if anybody's looking for a, like a fun show to check out, um, that requires no thinking and it is, it's then check out teen Titans go. And then uh, if you like it, check out the movie. Um, it's it's worth a gun. But I, I love the show, so the movie was right up my alley. And my daughter likes it, so it was an excuse um, to go to the movies. And speaking of which, complete side tangent, but just heart melting uh, yesterday with my daughter. She asked if there was any other movies that we could go to because she likes going to the movies with her dad. Oh my god, that's so
0: cute. Oh, I was in heaven. <laughs> I was like, I will find something for us to watch. Have you Have you been to several movies with her? Because I know it was a big thing with you uh, a while ago. You were excited to take her to the movies for the first time. Have you been taking her a lot?
1: No, just we
0: went, uh,
1: me and uh, her mom and her stepdad, uh, we mm-hmm. all went together to her very first movie so we could all share the experience together and it was absolutely amazing. We went and saw The Incredibles too, uh, yeah. and she loved it. And then uh, I just happened to remember that Teen Titans Go was, had been released. So I asked her, I'm like, do you want to go to the movies? Would you like to go to the movies today? And she was super pumped. <laughs> so we ran up to the theater, made the showing just in time, and went in there. And uh, I won't lie, I, she sat on my lap the whole movie. So I was <laughs> in heaven. I, we just cuddled and watched the movies and giggled and ate popcorn together. It was uh, magical. And that's the only How other movie we've sure. gone to and she and now she wants to go all the time and i'm like you know i twist my arm honey
0: i think it's uh it's funny that uh you have a young daughter Maya's what four or five four now.
1: she's four
0: yeah i think it's funny that you have a young daughter because you're gonna have to be the one to teach her movie theater etiquette and i'd imagine you're probably a real stickler for that like if she wants to talk at all during the movie she talks she talks
1: so much during the incredibles too. <laughs>
0: and i i honestly i honestly would have probably been
1: shushing her a little bit if one i hadn't been so excited about her being there and two (laughs) the theater was actually kind of half full with other kids who were also talking so if it had been like a and i would never take her to a late night showing but if it was like mostly adults in there and she had been running her mouth i probably would have been like you need to stop talking (laughs) <laughs> but the funny thing is that she was making a lot of comments and that was actually kind of cute and funny so <laughs> it wasn't too bad but uh yeah I'll be, I'll be definitely teaching her movie etiquette as as she gets older so right sure now right now we're, I make sure that we go to kids shows like when we went to Teen Titans Go there was me and her and four other people in the whole theater
0: so yeah <clears throat> well, that's good I remember the first time I went to Deadpool. There was like a fucking baby crying. Like, this is Deadpool 1. There was a fucking baby crying in the theater. Like, who's bringing these young kids and babies into these movies? Like, I'm glad. I'm glad you're. I'm, obviously, you're doing uh, everything you can to teach a young child movie etiquette, which they're just not going to have an instinctive grasp of because it's so strange that us humans just all get together in a dark room and stare at a screen for two hours. But, like,. I find it hilarious with these R-rated movies where people decide to bring their young kids in and, it's just, and then it, it just sort of ruins it for other people. But as, far as, as far as kids' movies go and as far as like, these other things go, I mean, it's not generally the type of uh, movie that I check out with the exception of Incredibles 2, of course.
1: If I go, if I go to a kid's movie on a matinee on a weekend, I'm hmm. going to, in my mind, expect that there's going to be other kids there and they're probably going to talk. Yeah. do I fault yeah. the kids for doing that no because when you're at home you're not teaching them any movie etiquette either
0: no right? no you're you're chatting with your kids when you're watching movies on the couch of course and so
1: that is understandable now if I'm at a movie theater and it's an adult movie and somebody brings their baby in there yeah. which has happened to me a couple times I fucking and the, hate that and I the fucking... baby starts crying I won't lie I sympathize with the parents you're happy to get out You know, you're stuck with a baby, you're stuck at home, but at the same time, you can't bring your baby into a loud theater and expect it to be quiet. Yeah. That's why Cineplex, and I'm sure all the other other theaters, major theaters, they have what's called stars and strollers. It's specifically for bringing your baby into. They play it at a lower level, and it's specifically for bringing your babies in. So if I, as someone that doesn't have a baby, went into a Stars and Strollers screening and was angry that there was crying babies, <laughs> I'm the idiot. So that's, that, that's what that, those screenings are for. And, yeah. and again, I, I completely sympathize with, with new parents. They obviously just want to get out of the house because I got a brand new baby because I completely mm-hmm. remember what that's like. Um, mm-hmm. But you, come on. You, 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 it, you're not in your house you have a crying baby, and there's anywhere from two to a hundred other people that have paid good money to watch this movie in the best format on the planet and you're bringing in a crying baby it's kind of selfish in my mind
0: so i'm in short, I'm sorry that Teen Titans Go wasn't as good as it could have been for you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Or whatever, I'm sorry, the Teen Titans movie, or whatever it was called. Yeah,
1: Teen Titans Go, Go! I think Teen Titans Go the movies. I think it's called. It was fine. And then, yes. oh, God. <laughs> at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie during the credits, they're playing like this Teen Titans rap song that the Teen yeah. Titans rap to, which is pretty fun. So Maya. Maya wanted to go dance, so her and I went down to the front of the screen and danced for, like, almost the whole credits.
0: <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, awesome. Important question for yeah. all the Teen Titans uh, fans out there. Is there an end credits scene? Uh, we didn't stick around. Oh, because a mistake.
1: When she, st- when she stopped dancing, she's like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, there might be end credits. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I...
0: I well, guess you'll never. I have to Google it like a chump. Yeah, I, I guess we're. I guess we're going. Yeah.
1: Thanks for ruining the movies for me. You should be paying <laughs> respect to all these people.
0: It's so harsh on your own daughter. Yeah. Four years old. She needs to know the movie etiquette.
1: I should have just sat her down in the chair. I'm like, you watch all these credits. You pay tribute to the part on this movie. Goddamn it! Yeah, you pay tribute to these people that put in the effort. <laughs> so that was Teen Titans Go. Uh, right. The next thing I've been watching is quite. I, I mentioned this to you a while ago. And uh, I sat down um, and restarted a series that I never got to finish. I think I only got through uh, five seasons of the seven um, that were aired, and that's the brilliant show Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I restarted it from the start and have committed to uh, to finishing this before I start. The only time I'm ever watching anything different is when it has to do with our podcast. Otherwise, I'm all about Mad Men. I want to watch it and finish it. I started from the beginning. I think I'm almost caught up to when I left. And it's just a reminder of how
0: fucking brilliant that show is. It is unbelievable. I've, I've never actually personally checked it out myself. Uh, from my understanding, John Hamm, who I'm actually a big fan of, uh, from what I understand, he's quite good in it, and he is the personification of sex oh He <laughs> <laughs> just just oozes sexuality for that entire show from what i understand
1: i won't i i would i would let john ham i would let his character don draper fuck me he yeah. is a little wiggle. Down there when
0: john hams on screen right just a little wiggle
1: i'm just it's more than a little wiggle <laughs> well if anybody knows me they all know it is a little wiggle anyways um <laughs> So yeah, the show itself, and, and I've I've told I've told people this that haven't seen the show, um, it, it's I think it's utterly brilliant. Um, all the critics agree with my assessment on how brilliant it is. Uh, it's won numerous Emmys. It's won numerous Golden Globes. It is a, a critical darling. The only thing is, is it's it's hard for me to recommend to some people because this Mad Men is almost. Mad Men is the equivalent of what All the Oscar winners are in movies It may not appeal to the masses But for people that appreciate Great acting, great dialogue And great storytelling Then Mad Men is exactly what they're looking for And I hate to sound Really pretentious and stuff But people that just like popcorn movies Or just general like, sitcoms Or action adventure TV shows I don't think they're going to find anything That they like in Mad Men um, That's not to say that they won't it's just that when I'm talking to people, I kind of get a general feeling of the kind of things that they like and whether or not I feel that Mad Men would be a great recommendation for them. Um, Mad Men basically just follows this advertising company in the fifties, sixties, and I think it finishes in the seventies, um, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, there's not oh, I was going to say there's not one weak person in
0: this cast, but there is. And that's January Jones who plays Betty Draper. She, that's not saying a lot. January Jones is just sort of a – she's just set decoration on whatever, whatever she's on. It is – it's hard to watch her at times because
1: <laughs> everybody else's game is so fucking on point and so elevated. So every time she comes on screen and she's trying to act, you're like, oh, honey. Oh, honey. I'm like, I don't know who you fucked to get this role. But you must be an unbelievable lay, because everybody else on the show has brought their A plus game, and you bring this bullshit. Like I don't know. Like she is atrocious,
0: but every- and super attractive.
1: Yeah, oh, she's super hot for sure. <laughs> Even though she's not the hottest person on the show, in my opinion. But who is? Oh, what the fu- uh, Christina Hendricks. Holy Jesus mother of mercy.
0: She is in my She's number 3 behind Charlize and Lapita. Oh, Lapita. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know Lapita was that high on your list. Lapita. lapita
1: might, well, it depends. I right now after watching Mad Men, Lapita, you can hit the bricks.
0: Christina's Christina's <laughs> Christina's my number 2. I'm sure Lupita is going to be crying herself to sleep tonight. Yeah. Oh, she's like
1: that podcaster that has 12 followers? Yeah, I'm really crying.
0: I'm like she's a, she's a frequent listener. I oh, I is. bet you she is.
1: <clears throat> um, yeah, it, it's, it's an absolutely brilliant show. Um, so for any of our listeners that haven't watched Mad Men, if you're really into great acting, if you're really into great storytelling, um, then check out Mad Men. Um, but there's not, like I won't lie, there's not a lot that goes on. It doesn't have an overarching story throughout the season like a lot of shows do. It's just following this advertising company, and especially uh, Don Draper, which is John Hamm's character. Um, but if you're looking, if you're looking for A plus performances, except for you, January Jones, uh, then this <laughs> is the show for you. It's absolutely fucking brilliant.
0: You know what? What did January Jones ever do to you? She's doing her best out there, man. Uh, she
1: hurts my eyes and she hurts my ears when she's on screen. Uh, that's what she's done to me. Fair enough. If she had never, if she decided to never act, hey, I'd have no problem. I wouldn't have anything bad
0: to say about her. Yeah, if she had just not followed her dreams, there'd be no issue.
1: Exactly. Thank you for following your dreams and, and subjecting me to your uh, shitty acting. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Um, and so the last movie that I want to touch upon, um, I went and saw last week, um, it was probably one of my most anticipated movies of the summer to go see, um, and easily, off the top of my head, had the greatest trailer of the year so far, and that's Mission Impossible Fallout. I'm a big fan of this series, um, re some of the Mission Impossibles, um, it just reminded me on how brilliant these movies are, um, and even with. Have you seen
0: all of them? I have you. Have you? You haven't seen Fallout yet, have you? I've seen exactly this many. You and seen for, none of the Mission Impossible's. Those listening, I just held up a big zero sign to Manny. I have not seen a single Mission Impossible movie. However, I have seen I think the majority of the first one. Like I watched it on TV one day or something like that. I've seen like. The famous scene from the first one of him, like, repelling from the ceiling and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen uh, any of them front to back. I've holy seen fu- of a few of them. I'm fucking mind blown. I know. I can't believe you didn't know that. I think we've I, talked about this before. Holy shit. <laughs> My mind just fucking exploded. <laughs> I know. I, for the record, what I have seen Tom Cruise in, uh, he's, he's quite a talented action star. Obviously, you and I both liked, um, I want to call it Live, Die, Repeat. but That's not what it's called. It's called Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I think you they, I, did they rename it? Live Die Repeat. I, I think that was
1: I, I they swear sh- they changed the name to that movie now.
0: They honestly should have if they if they have good for them because that's a way better name. But anyway, I digress.
1: Oh, that's a good movie. We should watch that. We should we should do that one on an episode. Anyway. um, okay. Well, fuck. I'm gonna I'm if, when I start winning some. When, when I start
0: winning, when you start winning. <laughs> <laughs> when I start I haven't won I think I've won one out of like the five we've done or whatever two I think one or two one for no, sure no I won uh, uh, we did you won uh, two you won two Eternal Sunshine we did Eternal Sunshine you won two and we did what else did we do that I recommended I uh, I can't remember you won two can't fucking remember I'll have to look this up two seconds <laughs> <laughs> I, Dude, swear you, I
1: swear you I swear you won two anyways okay so Mission Impossible Fallout um it's uh, written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who actually did uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, wait, no. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. No, Rogue Nation, which is number five. Um, and this is the first time – well, this is the first time that somebody that's directed uh, one of the earlier ones is, is back. And this is actually the first time that there's actual uh, follow-up to one of the other movies. The other ones were kind of standalones, with, obviously, the overarching story that um, – Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt and his IMF team are there. Um but this one actually has uh, some returning characters and all the talk that you hear about with all the press and all that is that Tom Cruise once again has done all
0: of his uh, own stunts. You have a uh an answer for me. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was the second one that I uh suggested that we do. Uh the first one was Nightcrawler. Thank you. Yes. I knew there was two. Uh, those are uh, episodes twenty one and nineteen respectively for <laughs> who want to go back and listen.
1: Oh, that is phenomenal okay so um, like i 've said the the talk all the talk on this one is about Tom Cruise doing his own stunts, which he 's done for I think all of these movies. Uh, a lot of people are aware of the amazing stunt work he did outside the Burj Khalifa in dubai. Um, Which is an absolutely amazing moment. And it's made even more amazing when you know that Tom Cruise actually did it. They didn't green screen it. He was actually outside of the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. The stunt work in Mission Impossible Fallout. I'd heard about it. But I didn't know how many other stunts besides the ones that they kind of show in the trailers um, that he did. They're unbelievable. They are unbelievable. I was in awe. Now, the plot of Mission Impossible Fallout, it's not really much of a plot. And (laughs) there's a shit ton of holes in it. Does that matter? Fuck no. You watch this movie for one reason and one reason only. To watch one action set piece, get to the next action set piece. It is phenomenal. And the camera work, Sam, in this movie is phenomenal. Fantastic. Macquarie makes these little camera movements that are just draw I remember I'm sure that I was at a pack screening so and I was by myself. So I'm sure the people on both sides were wondering why I was so excited at these they're like I, I swear I saw them in the corner and like, what's he getting so excited about? I'm like, <laughs> fucking camera move that was unreal. And it's just one of this car pulling into this like this house and this great camera move. I was like, that's so delicious looking.
0: God, we're such fucking nerds. Oh we? a huge fucking
1: nerd. <laughs> And there's lots of, like, he really, uh, a couple things that Macquarie really, I, I, I don't have the, uh, whoever the uh, cinematographer is off the top of my hand, um, uh, whoever that is, they really played a lot um, with pillars and columns, a lot. There's so many shots of pillars and columns and people traveling between them and using them as a point of reference. Um, it was absolutely stunning. Uh, Cinematography
0: by Rob Hardy.
1: Perfect. I haven't heard of him, but he's someone... Uh, He doesn't
0: even have a Wikipedia page, so he must be a newbie. I'm going to be keeping my eye on this man because, wow,
1: uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, The movie is, like, almost nonstop action, and I cannot praise this movie enough. Um, I beg anybody that hasn't seen it or is, like even remotely in likes action, this is the movie to go see right away after you go see Eighth Grade um, to, support, to, support exactly.
0: it,
1: to support independent uh, cinema. I make it a talking of action set pieces, but that's okay. Yeah, make it a double feature. Go see Eighth Grade and then finish off. Eighth Grade is your dinner. You're going <laughs> to enjoy a nice dinner. It's going to be meticulously crafted. You're going to be absolutely – You'll be like, "Oh, it's so good! I could go for dessert." Your dessert is Mission Impossible: Fallout, and it's going to be a fantastic dessert. I'm not the only one that loved this movie. This movie got an 86 on Metascore. That's how good this movie is. It is unbelievably good. Um, like I said, I'm not going to spoil anything. But go if you want. If go alone just to watch Tom Cruise do all these stunts. You'll be like, "There's no way that he did this." Like. He has this. There's a there's a chase scene in Paris, and he goes. Uh, is it the Arc de Triomphe that has the, the the roundabout around it as well? In Paris, can... I'm almost positive. But he's riding a motorcycle, and it's him, mm. against traffic in this massive roundabout. And I'm just like. Those stunt drivers, they're. Probably praying that nothing goes wrong. <laughs> Cause he's on he's on that he's on that bike with no helmet and they didn't CGI that shit.
0: I, I will add just about Tom Cruise doing his own stunts that this isn't just some gimmick, like for people listening who think like, oh, Tom Cruise is doing his own stunts, like, what's the big deal? It just allows the filmmakers, both the director and the cinematographer, to do so much more and to make it all In camera, because nothing pisses me off more than an action scene where you don't really know what's going on. You got the shaky cam, you know. You got rear shots of star clearly, clearly a stunt double, and just having the star doing the stunts just allows you to have so much better constructed action scenes. Uh And it shows again. I haven't seen any of the Mission Impossible's all the way through, but even in Edge of Tomorrow and or Lived, I repeat. So much of the action in that movie is in camera, really well-constructed, really interesting. And it's just because you can see all of it. That's as simple as it is, just a wide shot of something cool happening. And it makes all the difference to me. So, I mean, I just want to say that for anyone who's like, oh, Tom Cruise doing his own stunts, like, just seems gimmicky. It's not a gimmick. It's really important, I think, for an action star. It
1: is, and it does make the world a difference. Um, And for those of you that don't know... um, uh, Tom Cruise broke his ankle doing one of the stunts in this movie um, doing a, i 'd hate to say a simple stunt, but when you see the the stunts that he does in this movie, all it is is him jumping from one building to another and he shorts it so he you know he hits the side of the building and then holds on, climbs himself up. The shot in the movie is the one where he breaks his ankle oh wow that 's the one they used, and you can see when he gets up. Because they talked about it... And this was before the movie... Because I had heard... Obviously because I'm a nerd... And I, I hear about these movies... You hear about Tom Cruise breaking his ankle... So they had to suspend filming for six weeks... And move on to do other things without him... While he healed his ankle... But they were talking about it... There was, a, there was a set visit at the time by some writer... And they watched him break his ankle... He jumps from one building to the other... Breaks his ankle... But he stays in character... And he gets up and continues running past the camera hobbling obviously with a broken ankle both those shots are the one in the movie and Fuck, you can see so that cool. and you can see the difference because that whole scene is him running to try and chase somebody down so he's in full sprint and when he gets up with a broken ankle and is trying to run and you see him hobble myself knowing that that was the broken ankle shot i was like oh man i can't believe he did it like yeah most people just be laying on the ground in agony, but he stayed in character until he got past the camera and then he I think I think if I remember correctly, I think he said everybody, he's like, I think we're done
0: for the day. I've broken <laughs> my ankle. That's so good. I mean I just looked on the uh, Tom Cruise's Wikipedia page. He is fifty six years old. Yeah. So he's been doing these movies for a long fucking time. By the way, looks pretty good for fifty six. Sure does. Uh, uh I guess it's all that uh, all those Thetans that have been taken out of his uh, oh. <laughs> Um but yeah like 56 years old he's still doing his own stunts. I'm I mean what can you say every single movie that comes out with Mission Impossible has some big stunt that's uh a huge thing. I'm also looking at the metacritic scores right now. This is easily like far and away the best reviewed Mission Impossible movie so far. That's pretty impressive actually. I didn't realize Mission Impossible 1 only had a 59 on metacritic. That's surprisingly low. That
1: is low cuz that the Mission Impossible 1 is actually really really good.
0: Yeah. 2, it, two is the got,
1: weakest. 2 sorry? is the, Number two is the weakest. It's still good, but it's definitely the weakest out of all of these. Three is really good because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's easily the best villain. Four is great. Five is fantastic. And, and six,
0: Fallout, is just jaw-dropping. Is it the best one? <sighs> according, to, according to Metacritic, it is. I'm going
1: to say this one is definitely the most entertaining. Mm-hmm. I would definitely like to revisit I, I I 100% want to revisit the whole series again after watching this one. Um
0: I'll get back to you on that one. Cuz I'm I'm looking at the metacritic scores right now and it from 1 to 6 it goes 59 59 66 73 75 86. That is a big jump for the last one. I I know there it's still early so that could fluctuate it could go down a little bit. But that's pretty significant. I mean, it's gone up with every single movie yes. with the exception of uh, one to two. Isn't that uh, amazing up, that it, it keeps movie. getting better? Yeah. The series, is, that's a very rare thing in Hollywood today. I don't know if you can name another series like that that has this sort of longevity and is getting better every single movie they make. That's pretty impressive.
1: Oh, yeah. It's so good. So I, I, honestly, can't fl- I, I honestly can't heap enough praise onto this movie in regards to how much fun it is mm-hmm. and how entertaining it is. Um, and I'll tell you right now, next year's Sampas, this is probably already going to win best fight scene.
0: So you're saying it's one i got to check out?
1: The fight scene, which shows up in the in, – parts of it show up in the trailer um, where it's, uh, it's Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill up against one other guy in the bathroom is unbelievable. <laughs> so that's what I've been watching. Uh there has been some other shows I've been watching, but nothing that was really worth uh worth mentioning. Yes, yeah, sir.
0: Can I talk about one other movie I've just remembered that I yeah, watched?
1: Yeah, of course you can.
0: One other. I just Hell to yeah, show. bring it on, brother. So this is a movie, it's honestly the movie I've probably seen the most in my entire life. The most times in my entire life. It's a comedy. It's from the nineties. No. Stars a guy named Jim Carrey. No. What's no? What no. do you think it is? It better. Oh, it's not, it, it, not, that. It's not oh, that. Oh, it's not that. So
1: it's, it's in the 90s. Dumb. It's starring Jim Carrey. Yes. It's not the movie that I don't want to talk about. It's not Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Is <laughs> it... Do you know if it was released the same year?
0: Do, oh, it was not released the same year. Oh,
1: okay. Again. Well, then, I, then I'm going to guess. Okay. It's a
0: comedy. Jim Carrey. It's Liar Liar. It is Liar Liar. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen this movie... Probably almost close to 100 times. I'm not kidding. Like, when I was a kid, I think, I mean, it's not. it can't just be me. This movie is on TV all the time, right? Like, it's, it's not just me. This movie, I feel like every time I turn on a TV, Liar Liar is on. And I don't know what the reason for that is. It's probably something financial with the rights. But honestly, I fucking love this movie even today. I haven't probably seen it in a couple of years, even though I have seen it more times than any other movie. It's so much fun. It's cheesy. It's stupid. It's a 90s movie. It's 90s Jim Carrey at the height of his powers, just being a great physical comic. And it's not like, I don't know. It's not reinventing the wheel. Like The older I get, the more I realize it's just a cheesy, stupid comedy about how lying is bad and family is good. (laughs) And... For those of you who don't know, I don't have the IMDb synopsis in front of me right now, or do I as I scroll down? uh, A fast-track lawyer can't lie for 24 hours due to his son's birthday wish after he turns his son down for the last time. And that sounds like such a cheesy plot, and it is, but there's so many good gags in this movie and so many good jokes, and Jim Carrey is such a talented actor. It's just one of those movies that if anybody but Jim Carrey was in the title row— title role excuse me it would have been a complete disaster i can think of maybe one other actor i was
1: actually just thinking one other actor that i think it would be okay with who's
0: yours huh robin williams that's who i was gonna go with absolutely robin williams could have pulled this off but jim carrey is definitely i think the best choice um i'm just gonna come up with the kid in this movie who plays max justin kubert uh, Justin Cooper, excuse me. I can't talk today. Just awful. Just absolutely atrocious <laughs> acting. <laughs> the more I watch this movie, the more I realize this kid just does not have a future in acting. I don't know if he's been in anything since this movie de- decades ago. Um, it's looking like he probably didn't. He had some bit parts in like General Hospital when he was a kid. But yeah, he was just a child actor who didn't make it, and rightfully so. He was terrible. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Justin, if you're listening. Uh, but that this movie's so much if fun. Was. There's so many good gags. It has a good moral, it has a good lesson. Um, and it has, you know, Jim Carrey uh being Jim Carrey at the height of his powers before, you know, the world knew what a crazy individual he was, even in his personal life. So that's that's two Jim Carrey movies, arguably, you know, top definitely my favorite Jim Carrey comedy. Uh, maybe not my favorite Jim Carrey movie, because Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Truman Show exist, but it's definitely a really good movie. I believe it's on Netflix, if anyone wants to check it out. It's it's just a good time, honestly. It was a big part of my childhood, and it's just an enjoyable movie. And honestly, like with a lot of movies that I watched in my childhood, some of them hold up, some of them don't. This is honestly one that holds up, and it's not just because it was my favorite when I was a kid. It's I genuinely think it's still just a good cheesy comedy to watch if you want just like a Sunday afternoon sort of movie, personally. Have you seen this movie, Manny? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's nice.
1: Usually I'm the one flapping my gums the most and not letting you talk very much. I, I, I have seen Liar Liar. I've seen it multiple times, uh, and I don't disagree. I haven't watched it, honestly, in probably over ten years, yes. if not more. Actually, mm. you know what? I guarantee it's been more than ten years since I've seen it. Um, I remember liking it um, when it came out. Um, I remember liking it when it came out, which kind of shocked me because I was kind of over Jim Carrey. Um, His shtick had gotten a little bit old with me. Um, But this one, he didn't really go kind of over the top. Um, And I agree. I I really liked him in this role. It's definitely fun. I don't remember the atrocious acting of the kid. Um, It's really bad. (laughs) um, But I remember... And so it's so dumb, but I remember the one thing' let's see if I can remember if I can get the quote right
0: um I promise you i can i I can fucking recite this movie
1: oh yeah this it's it what this isn't the part that made me laugh the most, but it's the part that I guess like I almost like enjoyed the most because of the because of his delivery, yes, and he he Asked for a a a recess because he has to go to the bathroom, and he says, "Holding your urine it will cause bladder problems, something like that." <laughs> and the judge asks, "Is that as true?" And he thinks, he'd "Be like, it must be, because yeah. he can't lie." And I was like, yeah. "What?" I can't remember what his what his reply to the judges is, it's, but his facial expression, yes, yeah, his, his facial expression and his line delivery. Is priceless.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of the comedy in this movie does ride on the shoulders of Jim Carrey's der- delivery, which is, you know, excellent in my opinion. Yes. I grew up a big Jim Carrey fan. Even movies that you don't necessarily like as much, like uh, Dumb and Dumber, we've talked about before on the show, both like, on air and off. Uh, I really like Dumb and Dumber. I really like Bruce Almighty, which came out in two thousand three, which is a really good one. I, i'm a big fan of jim carrey just in general and liar liar is probably my favorite comedy of his it's really good and i'm looking at imdb right now it has a 70 meta score so it's not like it's a like a really bad movie that i just remember fondly from my childhood although i do remember it fondly uh it's actually like 70 for a movie that's this sort of silly is not bad at all Actually, that's fantastic
1: yeah i if so, you would if you had, if we had played a game on me to guess the meta score of liar liar i would not have come anywhere close to that
0: yeah i, I honestly <laughs> probably would have guessed like 55 probably yeah, that's, that's exactly the number i would have guessed yeah for sure so again i'm fairly certain this movie's on netflix if you haven't seen liar liar treat yourself it's oh, a for sure it is, it is a just a joyful movie it has a you know happy hollywood ending sort of thing it's just a it's a really uplifting movie, and I get really happy every time I watch it. So I really wanted to talk about that before we close the show up.
1: Perfect. We're not quite closing the show yet. We have a surprise little thing to talk Ooh. about. I'm intrigued. So um, there's there was some news about the Oscars recently, and I don't know if you're aware of it. I am, but continue. Perfect. So this is what I want to discuss, and this is what we're going to end the show on. The, uh, the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Sciences um, – I uh, had, a, had a meeting recently and released three things. Uh, the first thing, and we'll go through each one. Uh, I've saved the the one I want to talk about the most for last. So the first one is they are now going to shorten the ceremony to a strict three-hour show, where some awards will now be presented during commercial breaks and shown later in the show, probably in some type of montage form. They're hoping to do this to help increase viewership um, Sam, your thoughts on this.
0: Well, uh I think they have the right idea in the sense that, you know, viewership has been dropping for the Oscars. I think it's an important ceremony. You and I both, of course, watch the Oscars every year, and I don't want to see it die, which I mean, the format that it's in is sort of outdated. Um I think the criticism that the taking away of the category or not necessarily the taking away, but the fact that they're not going to be airing the winners of categories like sound mixing uh, and sound editing and set design and all these sort of, uh, quote, minor categories, that I can see why some people would find that a little bit insulting. Those in the categories have found it a little bit demeaning that they're not going to be aired anymore. That being said, I find it hilarious that 90% of the film community has suddenly pretended to care about sound mixers and sound editors, like... Those I don't know about you. Those are the categories. Like you and I are film nerds, yeah. and I don't give a shit about those categories, right? Like, are, maybe I'm alone in this, but do we have to pretend to care about those categories? Honestly, I. Like, I Sometimes I wouldn't <clears throat> mind watching those categories, but honestly, it, they fall by the wayside for me.
1: I don't think them shortening the show to three hours and taking time away from people that don't normally get recognized their one time that they do get recognized is mm-hmm. going to make more people show up to the show. Um, what I'm actually going to do to... Uh, I'm going to do a little mini-survey amongst my friends and family of people yeah. that I know that don't watch the Oscars. And I'm going to tell them about these changes. And I'm going to say, is this going to make you watch the Oscars? I guarantee you it's going to be a no. There's the uh, For me, I, I want to see them preserve the show the way it is i understand that ratings are down but they're thinking too short term and thinking in they're just not grasping what's going on in today's world the ratings were so high so long ago because there was three fucking channels and you had a choice of three shows you can watch something something or all these superstars who are all dressed up and talking to one another what show were you going to turn into you're going to watch all these fucking. you're going to watch all these movie stars because you had nowhere else to see them you could either see them at the movie theater or if you were lucky you'd see them on TV there was no internet there was no social media this was your only chance so of course everybody was tuning in it's not the way it is anymore there's too many options for people to watch shortening the show to 3 hours shorten it to 1 hour you're still not going to all of a sudden increase viewership the people that want to watch and celebrate the biggest night in for movies are going to tune in. You're not mm. going to gain viewers just by shortening the show to three hours. It's not going to happen. It's across the board. Baseball, te- baseball tenants and viewership is down because the games are about three hours. It's all, it's, it's just, things are different. Shortening the Oscar presentation and taking away the one time that all those names we see at the end of the credits that you don't pay attention to are actually getting recognized Honestly makes me a little sad. Do I, can I name a sound mixer? Sure can't. Did I actually get emotionally involved when I watched them accept their acceptance speech? Yeah, I did. I've actually cried at the set designer's acceptance speech. I no. love seeing these people recognized for the hard work they do when they participate and contribute to an art form that means the world to me. I didn't care that the Oscar telecast sometimes went four hours. Fuck, make it five. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm in no matter what. I know I'm in the minority when it comes to that, but that's just the way it is. I, I don't like them doing this, um, but I understand what they're trying to do. I just don't think that keeping the show at a, br- at a brisk three hours is going to yeah. increase viewership.
0: It, it is it opinion. is sort of funny that uh, the two things that you and I bonded over when we first became friends, movies and baseball, and the things we continue to bond over, are the two <laughs> things where the biggest plague in the fan communities of these two respective art forms are that <coughs> we do shortened. In the social media age where everybody has a shortened attention span, the uh, powers of these two uh, respective communities are sh- trying to shorten them. Uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, is trying to shorten games. Uh, unsuccessfully I might add and uh, whoever the fuck the president of uh, the academy is is trying to shorten the Oscars a little bit and I'm I agree with you that I don't think it's going to increase viewership I still stand by the fact that a lot of the categories that they have just the general population just does not care about 100 percent. there are minor categories that even you and I talk about like when we did our Oscars episode we talked about cinematography and we talked about uh like uh set design and we talked about even like hair and makeup and stuff like that but you know does is anybody watching the nominees for best documentary short is anybody actually 95 percent of the people who are watching the oscars do not care who wins that category and have not seen any of those that's just the reality i'm not saying that these guys don't work hard i'm not saying they don't deserve recognition i just don't think anyone cares i'm sorry
1: yeah I could, you know what? Actually, when it comes to baseball games and mm-hmm. the Oscar telecast, I can tell you exactly. I have a solution right now that will shorten it up a lot for you. All do right, it. Less commercials. Yeah. If you speed up the commercial breaks between innings or half innings, the game will be a fucking lot faster. And if you cut down the commercial breaks on the Oscars, the show will be a lot shorter. Now, granted, I understand that's how the Academy of Motion Pictures makes their money. Because they don't get funded from the movies because the Academy is its own entity. So I understand that the Oscar telecast is how they make their money plus their union dues and all that kind of stuff. But whatever. It's it, – you cut down the commercial breaks, which again I know is not a solution that they could ever consider because they need that money. And of course why would a – well, actually the, the the network doesn't care because the, they get paid. Or no, they – no, they pay the Oscars. They pay the Oscars to be on their show. And then they get money for that. Okay, so whatever. So it, The commercial breaks are actually what, especially at the end, the end is where it drags. Because they do one award, and then they go to commercial. Then they do one award, then they go to commercial. To drag it out. So, streamline there. That might be a good, uh, that might be a good thing. Um, so, I, I, I personally don't want to see them shorten the show. I understand the intent behind it and definitely with the documentary short subject, I don't care. I've actually, to this day, never watched one documentary short. I've yep. definitely watched a lot of documentaries. Um, but really most, the, couple. Talk- most of the time, the documentary feature length, um, it's pretty rare that I've seen them prior to the Oscars. Um, uh, one There's not one year I've been able to see all five that get nominated. Um, but the other ones that... The, the sound and the sound mixing, sound and sound editing or sound mixing, I still couldn't tell you the difference between them. Um, but the other ones, the other one, the ones that a lot of people don't care about, I really do. I do like knowing who's going to win best costume. I do like knowing best hair, best makeup, and set design and all that kind of stuff. But whatever. Um, I am sad that this is happening. I understand why they're doing it, I just disagree
0: um there was one other piece of news that i was uh, surprised you didn't bring up i don't know if you're planning on bringing it up after we uh, discussed this particular point but you did hear they're introducing a new category right that's the last one we're going to talk about okay fair enough
1: so the next thing that they're doing is they're moving the oscars to an earlier date it's okay. usually around the end of february now it's going to be at the beginning of february
0: i am a big fan of this um and why i'm just curious i, I, I honestly don't have an opinion either way on this so i'm actually curious to hear uh, what you think about this.
1: Uh, being, obviously, older than you, I re—I can remember again, and this is p- mostly probably due to the per- uh, the proliferation of the internet and social media, prior to this, you would only hear of two awards. You would hear of the Golden Globes and the Oscars. Now, prior to the Oscars, you're going to find out who won the Golden Globe, who won the Directors Guild, Uh, awards, who won the Screen Actors Guild awards, who won the BAFTAs, which are the British equivalent of the Oscars. You're going to hear about the New York Film Critics Awards. You're going to hear about the LA Film Critics Awards. You're going to hear about all these other awards, the Independent Spirit Awards. All these other awards are awarded before the Oscars. And so when the Oscars come, it's actually usually way too fucking easy to predict who's going to win.
0: And you and I, I think, did this past year, if I remember correctly. I mean, 99% of the nominees. I mean, if you look at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, you can pretty easily and pretty consistently predict who's going to win the acting awards: actor and actress, supporting actor, supporting actress. If you look at the Directors Guild Awards, uh, you can see who's going to win Best Director. Uh, It's (gasps) pretty consistent, honestly.
1: Yeah. And so now with them moving it up, um, I'm kind of excited that, you know, the end of the year. Uh, For those of you who don't know, any film that gets a theatrical release um, in in between January 1st um, and December 31st of one year is eligible for the Academy Award. Uh, I think they only have to play in two markets. um, And that's why some movies will get a limited release in December, and then they'll get a wide release in January. So the December release is what gives them their Oscar eligibility. Blah, 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 all boring stuff to people that don't really care. Um, But now we're looking at, like, five weeks at the end of the year, the Oscars are up. Now, that's going to make it difficult for me, someone who lives in a small town, to be able to get to see all the Best Picture nominees um, before the Oscar ceremonies, uh, which is going to break my heart. But
0: uh, that just means I'm going to have to put in more effort. I As like it already. Huh? As if you don't already, by yeah. the way. You put but, in more effort to see the nominees than anyone else I know, I think.
1: But I like it. I, I, I get – I don't want to say I get fatigue of award shows because I don't want I, – I sometimes watch the Golden Globes, um, but their winners sometimes are such a fucking joke. It's infuriating. Um the
0: Martian winning best
1: comedy or musical. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time the Oscars come, like like I mentioned earlier, there's not, really not much of a surprise. It's it's pretty rare that I there, that there's a huge upset.
0: Um, uh, for the most recent one that comes to mind, I think is Casey Affleck winning Best Actor over Denzel Washington for uh, Manchester by the Sea and Fences, respectively. That but wasn't
1: that wasn't that big of an upset. He would already won numerous awards. I thought Denzel Washington won like the
0: Golden Globe and the. I
1: bring that? I, I think so. But I, I had Casey Affleck winning going in. Because he'd won so many other ones. So it's, it, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when it's a little bit more of a unknown going into the Oscars. So I'm, I, that's why I like it. Plus, that means I get to watch the Oscars sooner rather than later. I don't have to wait as
0: long. Sexual assault allegations aside, Casey Affleck was quite good in Manchester by the He seat. was
1: well deserved of
0: that win. Garb, garbage human being. Pretty good actor. <laughs>
1: And then the last one uh, that Sam mentioned um, is uh, the Oscars are now introducing a new category. They did not offer up any criteria for this award, no explanation. The only thing that they've now said is the new category is Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film. (sighs) Yeah. Now... (laughs) Does this meet like now what constitutes a popular film?
0: Uh one that makes a lot of money. Okay.
1: I think. So this is of course a follow up for those of you that don't know, uh whatever year it was. Whatever year it was that the Dark Knight was released, there was uh, two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. There was serious uproar that it did, did not get nominated for
0: Best Picture. So the Academy responded by opening up – 98? 2008, sorry? No, I was just saying 10 years late is what I'm saying. 10 years late. They responded 10 years late.
1: <clears throat> no, their response to The Dark Knight not being nominated was to open up the Best Picture nominees from 5 to up to 10 in the hopes that more popular films will get nominated for Best Picture, which will, once again, increase
0: viewership. And then, of course, the next year, I believe Avatar got nominated for Best Picture, which was ludicrous. Not ludicrous. It was no. It I, was a remarkably beautiful-looking film that had nothing important to say whatsoever. No,
1: it, it had already been said when it was released as Dances with Wolves by Kevin Costner. So, exactly. but as a film achievement itself. Was it should have been nominated for Best Picture? No, but for every, for every technical category,
0: yes, it should have been. And it won every technical category, right? Which is what I don't understand. Like, it won Best Visual Effects. It won Best Hair and Makeup. Did it not? Like, pretty, it, it won a lot, but didn't win Best Picture. <laughs> yeah, um, thank God. But Avatar,
1: that's, that's the exception. Like, we're talking about other films that they were hoping to get in to increase viewership. Um, and there are times when a popular film got in um, that probably, if there's only five nominees, wouldn't, such as like Inception or Mad Max Fury Road. Um, but
0: you and I both love those movies.
1: Yes, they're fantastic films and we're worthy of their nominations. For sure. Um, so this is another uh, pathetic attempt to increase viewership. Again, uh, and I'm looking forward to asking... My friends and family who don't watch the Oscars, there's a new category. It's called Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film. Are you going to tune to the Oscars to see who wins that? Probably fucking not. I don't think this is going to increase viewership in any way. Just because what are the five nominees going to be? And, and sadly, this year we'll actually probably have some good movies. But if they're nominated for this, does that now mean that they're not going to be eligible for Best Picture? Because I guarantee you the winner of this first one is Black Panther? Mm. It's a cultural. It's not,
0: it's not Infinity War.
1: Not a chance. Not really? a chance. Why not? Not a chance. Why Infinity not? War is nowhere near the cultural phenomenon that Black Panther was. You have to remember, Black Panther, Infinity mm. War had all the build up in the world to get there. Mm-hmm. Black Panther did over a billion dollars, a billion in
0: That's... less than six weeks. That, this, this is what I don't understand, though, because I agree with you in that uh, Black Panther had no build up. And was, you know, not as big a success as Infinity War, but still a resounding success. Um, So what does that mean? Because Infinity War has a bigger box office gross, does it just win? uh, From the description, it just sounds like whatever movie makes more money wins. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. Um,
1: Yes, but that's that's what we're all left up to try and figure out because they didn't leave any criteria. That's all they said, outstanding achievement in popular film.
0: Side note, I've heard some people saying that this is bullshit because... And I do agree that this is kind of a bullshit category, by the way. But I've heard some people saying that, like, oh, this is just an excuse to not nominate Black Panther for Best Picture. Black Panther was not getting nominated for Best Picture anyway. Yes, anyways. Sorry. it was. It Sorry. Sh- if it was going to be, it shouldn't have been. Manny and I did an episode on Black Panther. You can go back and listen to it if you like. Uh, I can't remember what number it is. But we did an episode specifically on Black Panther, and we both kind of said, like, Black Panther is a very good movie. It's not great. It is a good movie with some flaws. It has a great villain, has a great lead. has some very good set design and hair and makeup, and it has some, okay, the action is good. The action's fine for a Marvel movie. But it's not a great movie, so I don't understand why people are so up in arms. They're like, oh, of course they had to introduce this category because they weren't going to nominate Black Panther for Best Picture. It just doesn't really make sense to me.
1: Yeah, it's I, I 100% agree. I, I, Black Panther was... My guarantee right now is Black Panther is getting nominees in definitely set design, hair and makeup, prob- maybe special effects. can't remember yep. the special effects. Yep. Probably that, but it's going to be up for some rough stuff.
0: In, I'm thinking. In I'm thinking effects. right now of all the vibranium uh, gadgets that uh, that are going on. There's some pretty sick uh, special effects. So yeah, I, I think it, you there.
1: It's definitely. Good. It's going to be represented at the Academy Awards. It uh, prior to prior to this category. I won't lie. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to have seen it nominated for Best Picture because of the culture. Yeah, yeah, dude. You you, uh, and I. I don't mean to disparage either one of us here. Yeah. But you have to look at it, at what this meant to minorities. We're – well, you're white. I'm half white. We <laughs> don't understand the cultural impact this had on people of color.
0: It's massive. And massive. Hey, I'm not saying this movie is not important. That's yes. not what I'm trying to say. It's a very important movie. It's one of the first high-profile black superhero movies, if you don't count Blade, which I don't think we should. <laughs> but it's a very important movie. And again, I'm not even saying it's bad. It's just not – that good? It's not that good. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay, this
1: is only two years removed. Do you think Moonlight should have won Best Picture?
0: No. Right. I didn't think so at the time. It, again, another very important movie. But I mean, come on. If you're saying that Black Panther is as good as Moonlight, it wasn't.
1: No. What I'm saying is that why did Moonlight win? Did it win because it was Best Picture, or did it win because of some political
0: stuff? Um, On the other hand, if La La Land had won that year, which it almost did, and kind of did, (laughs) and before it lost, but if La La Land had won that year, the narrative would have just been, oh, well, it's another Best Picture winner about Hollywood, uh, about struggling artists, like typical uh, academy, just nominating themselves and just being totally masturbatory. So there is a narrative no matter what wins, and it always sort of speaks to the zeitgeist. It always sort of speaks to what humanity is thinking at that sort of time. And Moonlight is an important movie, and I like that. And it's also far better than Black Panther.
1: That's not what I'm... I'm not comparing the two. I'm talking about the political ramifications of the movie. That's what I'm talking about. Did Moonlight deserve to win Best Picture? Was it Best Picture? No. Not even close, in my opinion. I think it deserved to be considered. Sure, considered. Fine, considered. But did it deserve to win? Not a chance. Another example... Was Get Out the best screenplay last year compared to the other ones in that category? Not a well, fucking chance Did Get Out, which won Best Original
0: Screenplay. Yeah, but what, what um, else was in that category that year? Well, th- Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing's, Missouri is one of the ones right. that beat. Yeah, that, that was both of our pick for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. I completely agree that that deserved to win.
1: Right. Why did Get Out win? Because it was written by a black man. That's why.
0: I didn't say it.
1: I did. I have no problem <laughs> saying it. I'm a person of color, so I'm, I guess I'm allowed to say it. Am I the same color as him? No, but I am a minority. Do, do you hear me crying about my underrepresentation in Hollywood? No.
0: Wind River didn't get a single nomination last year. Oh, I'm I'll right. Take, I can cry about every, that one. We'll take every opportunity to bring that up.
1: My bad. My bad. Dances with Wolves one Best Picture. That yeah. was the representation of my people. Thank <laughs> God for Kevin Costner,
0: the speaker yeah. of my people. I just want to know when white people will finally get represented properly right? in Hollywood. That's what I want to know.
1: The, and this is just it's, it's the political nature of, of the Academy that at times infuriates me. Another example is when they reward or they pay back an actor who should have won years prior for a performance that wasn't worthy.
0: Point... Are you, Mr. DiCaprio? No.
1: no. That, sure, I'd have to relook. look the, the two glaring ones in my mind, and one is completely related to the other the first one is Al Pacino winning for Scent of a Woman good performance? yes the best performance that year? no who did he beat? Denzel Washington for Malcolm X if you watch that movie you watch both of those, Scent of a Woman and Malcolm X you're like, Al Pacino beat Denzel Washington for this, so what do they do? they give Denzel Washington best actor for training day are you fucking kidding me? training day that's his best actor
0: I haven't seen any of those three movies. I'm only I'm only 21 years old. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: well, which ones are you gonna have to watch? Probably I'm gonna have to watch all of those. Well, you're gonna no because they weren't nominated for Best Picture.
0: Training Day wasn't. Fuck no! If it was, I fucking quit. <laughs> I guess this is back in the days when uh, there was only five nominees. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Malcolm funny. X probably got nominated, and that's something you
1: should watch anyways because that movie's fucking brilliant. And when you mm. watch that, if you watch that first, and you're like. You'll be going, hmm, well, Denzel obviously won Best Actor this year. And then you're like, oh, Al-, Al Pacino won. Oh, well, Al Pacino's a good actor. I think I'll check out this scent of a woman. And you're like, that's what he won for? <laughs> all he does is go, hoo I'm blind, I'm blind, hoo That's all he does the whole time.
0: Oh, side note. I mean, we're going to be talking about Scarface and Al Pacino next week. I got some things to say about uh, <laughs> Al Pacino in that movie. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a good performance. So, so we we'll did
1: get it. off topic. I don't want this new category. I want nothing to do with it. I don't give no. a shit about it. I'm looking forward to seeing what the criteria are for outstanding achievement in popular film. And again, I'm curious if they get nominated in this category. Are they now ineligible for Best Picture? So if one gets nominated in both, we already know who wins.
0: Much like... My understanding is that they have said that this does not make you ineligible. You can be nominated for both, uh, for both categories. Uh, it's just it's it.
1: It makes no sense. Who's voting on this? Like, is it, uh, do the fans get to vote on this? It's not, It's now a, It's now fans. Like I, I don't know. And what constitutes a popular film? Like, didn't Lady Bird do extremely well at the box office and had a great, obviously, return on investment because her budget was so low? Is yeah. that a popular film? Like, what's the cutoff? category going to be decided by a calculator? <laughs> Just yeah. like, like do you, the, are you a popular the, film because you make 100 million? Yeah. Do you have to make 200 million to be considered a popular film?
0: Or is it only the billion dollar films that get to be popular? Like, so it's basically going to be Infinity War versus Black Panther this year.
1: Yeah. Are those the only billion ones we've had so
0: far? Uh, we've had Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 make a billion? Oh, I don't know if it made a billion. Sorry, oh. I just I was thinking in terms of high-grossing movies. Mm. Uh, yeah, as far as I know, Black Panther two or sorry, Black Panther and Infinity War are the only billions, and then Deadpool two probably came close. Uh, Ant Man and Wasp was released this year and didn't make nearly as much as either of those. I'm just trying to think of all the the super. Dead... Oh, what... I got oh, it right whoa.
1: here. Deadpool two is number five this year at 733. There okay. are four billion-dollar movies. Okay. And can I can yeah. I try? Yes.
0: Okay, so we've got an Infinity War.
1: Number one at $2.045 billion.
0: Which is a stupid amount of money. Just an absolutely stupid amount of money. Um, So uh, Deadpool 2 did not make a billion dollars. We're talking about Black Panther. That's number two at $1.3 billion. Okay. Um, I don't know if I can even... Can I maybe get some hints in this? Uh, Okay, Uh,
1: number three is a sequel to a movie that is horrible... And the it's a sequel of a movie that probably oh also did a billion fucking dollars. Jurassic World two isn't it <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> yes I it didn't is. see that I do not fucking care about that
1: movie one point two billion dollars and yeah. number four is another sequel to a brilliant movie well technically Jurassic World. that I World talked about sequ- earlier in this episode why can't I think of what this is. Because it's an animated film that is a sequel
0: to Ooh, The Incredibles 2.
1: Yes, at just shy of $1.1 billion. Right on. So I guess those four, I guess those five are going to be up for Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film?
0: I guess. I mean, Top 5 grossing and then the Academy votes on whichever one's best, I guess. I guess or whichever so. one they liked most.
1: So I don't know oh, what the fuck.
0: Who cares? Or, or is it just whatever grossed most? I I, I I'm genuinely curious. I genuinely want to know. <sighs> God damn it! Whatever. It's been a long debate. It
1: has been. Um. So I guess that's. Well, I don't have anything else to say.
0: I'm just. Gonna I start, have nothing to add. To I'm this just going to start getting frustrated. Panther isn't as good as everyone says it is. I'm sorry. It's very <laughs> good, but it's not that good. Is my final thought on this segment.
1: Fair enough. Uh, okay, I, I guess we can wrap it up then. Um, <coughs> please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, if you can, leave us a five-star review. It helps increase our profile so more than 12 people will listen to our episodes. Um, please like and follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to get a hold of Samurai, you can contact us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, So for the Samuel Emanuel movie podcast I am Manny Emanuel
0: Black Panther was only okay I'm Sam Reimer
1: (laughs) Adios